Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So this morning, we are going to be continuing our series called Moved, where we're looking at being intentional in growing in compassion. And Simon, over the last couple of weeks, has looked at what it looks like to show compassion to ourselves and what it looks like to show compassion to our church community, to each other. And this morning, I want to go back a little bit. My plan this morning is to look at what we really mean by compassion. What does compassion look like? What's the biblical understanding of compassion? And and what relationship does God have with compassion? And this morning, to, to let you know where we're going, I'm hoping that we will then go on to look at what does it mean for God to extend his compassion to us and for us to extend God's compassion to those around us in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, in our social circles. As I was reflecting on the series so far, I was pondering, what is the difference between empathy and compassion? And I was having a little bit of a, you know, your classic late night thoughts. It's a bit of an odd late night thought. What's the difference between empathy and compassion? But I was, I was thinking about it. What is the difference between empathy and compassion? Is there a difference at all? When I first came to Riverside, Simon and Keeley got me to do a strengths test. And it's one of those tests that you try to find out more about who you are by answering loads of different questions and allowing an algorithm to tell you about yourself. So I answered all these questions. There were hundreds of questions about me, about what makes me tick, about my motivations, about the way I think, about my experiences. And from those answers, the algorithm comes together and it puts five key strengths that you have. And it is a great way in understanding yourself, but also in understanding your team. What strengths do you have in your team? And when I did my uh, strengths test, my five strengths were these. And you can be the judge to decide whether it's good. My five strengths were positivity, communication, woo, includer, and activator. And then Emma, woo means like winning people over. So kind of getting people on site. Um, Emma, however, then went on to do this uh, strengths test. Emma's my wife, for those that don't know. Um, went on to do this strengths test. And her number one strength was empathy. And it's a really good thing for me that her number one strength is empathy. And the reason is because my strengths... I want to use my communication and my woo, my winning people over, to convince someone that everything is okay, positivity. 
and that all they need to do is to get involved and get going, includer and activator. Emma, however, is a lot more gentle in her approach. Her sweet spot is sitting with someone and talking through their difficulties. She's able to understand the difficulty that someone else might be going through and rather than wanting to straight away fix the problem and come out with a clear and concise plan, Emma's happy to sit and picture herself in their place in order to support them. And these differences were shown quite clearly this week. And in this story, you're going to hear why I need Emma beside me, why Emma makes me a better person and a better follower of Jesus. It was Wednesday evening, and I just spent the last couple of days writing this talk, a talk on compassion. And I had a pretty busy evening ahead. We had youth in the evening. We were going to laser tag. Great fun. And um, the fruit was in the oven, and there was 40 minutes until it was going to be ready. And then straight after eating, I was off to laser tag with the youth. So we're waiting for dinner, 40 minutes in the oven. And Ottilie, our five-month-old girl, started becoming very, very fussy. And she was screaming. She hadn't slept all day. She was screaming. And our dog, Alfie, looked at me like, are you going to sort her out or am I? And um, we realised that 40 minutes of sitting in the house with a screaming baby, a fed-up dog and a very stressed-out and tired wife was probably not a great idea. So we decided, let's go for a walk. A walk around the block was needed. So we start getting everything ready for this walk and it used to take 10 seconds to get out of the house, right? It doesn't take 10 seconds anymore. Uh, we, we, get, we get the harness for the dog and we, we get the harness on and we get the pram out and we put Ottilie in an, in an extra layer for the weather and we start to get out the door. And as we go out the door, we look and we say we've got 25 minutes left until our food is ready. So we need to really go through this walk quickly. We've got the same walk we do all the time. So we get out the door, we're ready with the pram, the baby's in the pram, the dog's on the lead, and then we see across the road a little boy upset, sat with two bikes in front of him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. My thought in this moment is, I'm sure he's fine. He'll get over it. (laughs) Maybe he's waiting for a friend or something like that. But as we got closer, we saw that he was crying. Now, here comes my confession. My thoughts in this moment was, surely someone else is going to sort this out who doesn't have 25 minutes until dinner, that isn't walking a moody dog and a crying, screaming baby, that has a bit more time than I do right now. Surely someone is going to help this boy out. If I just don't look in that direction and walk really fast with the pram, then no one's going to think, anything. And then my wife, with empathy, gives me a little nudge. Her empathy is always for me to show. Uh, (laughs) Gives me a little nudge and says, Jake, go make sure that the boy is okay. And in that that moment, I realised, firstly, I should probably listen to my wife. 
And also, it would be slightly awkward this morning talking on compassion if I completely ignored this boy. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus would go check that he's okay. So I go over... And it turns out Emma's instincts were correct. He was very stressed. His bike had broken. He had no phone. And he was too far away to walk the bike back home. So I took the broken bike back to his house and helped him get home. A little bit of compassion in the middle of my stress. But the question I found myself asking was, would I have helped this boy if it wasn't for the nudge of my wife, the empathy that my wife has to go and do so. And if I'm honest, I really don't know. I have no idea. If I, if I was doing that moment without my wife, I have no idea. Maybe I would have. Maybe I wouldn't have. And as I was thinking about this series, this series on compassion, I was thinking, does that just mean that I am unable to be compassionate? Or is it something that we can learn and something that we can grow in? And I really believe that it is something that can be practiced, something that can be taught and caught, and something that will happen to us naturally as we grow more into the likeness of Jesus, as we follow him. In fact, if we are becoming more like Jesus, we will be growing in compassion because it is the most noticeable characteristic of him. And it is the most noticeable characteristic of God, according to the Bible. And I want to go through a little bit about what the Bible says about God and compassion this morning. In the Old Testament, we see God continuously described in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's Exodus 34 verse 6. But that phrase is used over and over again in the Old Testament. Also in places like the Psalms, Psalm 103, it says something very, very similar. God is compassionate. And the Hebrew word used in these descriptions of God, the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament descriptions of God that are translated in our Bibles as compassionate, the Hebrew word used is a very interesting one. And I think it gives us a much deeper understanding of what it means to be compassionate. The Hebrew word used is rahum, rahum for compassionate. Or when we're talking about the noun compassion, the word is rachamin, rachamin. And what's really interesting about this word, at least to me anyway, is that both of these words, both rahum and rachamin, are uh, related to the Hebrew word for womb, which is rechem. And by the way, I I, I don't just know this. This isn't just knowledge that I have. This is is just from uh, watching what the Bible Project has to say about compassion. And as the readers 
would have read these words that we have translated to compassion. They would have understood it as something that was very much centered in the core of each person. And the word invites us, as it did very clearly to those who would have read it in Hebrew, to imagine a mother's tender feelings towards her vulnerable infant. It's this intense emotion felt by a mother to respond to the need of her child. And it's often also translated to simply deeply moved. And I promised myself I wouldn't be that, um, that preacher who went on about their child all the time. But for me, this metaphor of the pull to help your vulnerable, crying child is an extremely strong one. The responsibility that Emma and myself feel towards Ottilie, that even at 3am when she's crying and screaming and we can't think of anything worse than getting up and rocking her back to sleep for an hour, or Emma can't think of anything worse than feeding her in this moment, We do it anyway because of the love that we have for her and the responsibility that we have towards her. And in the same way, the readers would have looked at this word used to describe God, Rahum, that we've translated into our Bible as compassionate. And they would have understood uh, understood that it's something that firstly is in the very core of who God is. Something that's his responsibility. Showing compassion is very much who God is, not something that he does. And they would have understood that it's a real responsibility that he feels. Something he cannot help but feel. God cannot help but feel and be compassionate. That it is who he is, and he cannot help but act with compassion. This word used in the Old Testament to describe God's actions are often used to describe actions motivated by emotions. So when we read about God's compassion, we're reading about a God who acts motivated of his deep feeling towards us. A God that acts motivated by deep emotions. For example, we read of God's rahum or compassion as a way of describing God's feelings and response to the Israelites suffering in Egypt. And God actually compares himself to a mother caring for her baby. He says this, can a mother forget her nursing child or have no compassion? Even if she does, I will not forget you. That's Isaiah 49, verse 15. So throughout the Old Testament, it's suggested that in this very core of who God is, is compassion that resembles 
a deep emotion and responsibility to action that a nursing mother feels towards her vulnerable infant. Let's just sit on that for a second. Because if we truly believe this, if we think this is an accurate description of God, and I believe it is, if we truly believe that God's compassion is that of a nursing mother, how she feels towards her vulnerable infant, then we cannot believe that God does not care about our circumstances or our pain. Scripture says that God cares with deep emotion and responsibility of a nursing mother. He says, can a mother forget her nursing child or have no compassion? Even if she does, I will not forget you. And whilst this is talking to a certain group of people, we can be confident that God is saying the same to us as individuals and as a collective this morning. Because God is continuously described in this way, with this metaphor. But the Old Testament is not where this compassion narrative ends. In fact, it's kind of part one of three. And part two is prophesied in the Old Testament, but not seen until later. Part two is God showing his compassion through entering into the suffering of humanity. Jesus is Yahweh's compassion come human. Jesus is the outworking of God's compassion come human. And throughout Jesus' life, the gospel accounts regularly speak of his compassion or the Greek word oiktimos. This compassion lived out through Jesus, embracing the sick, caring for the outcast and being deeply moved by human suffering. And Jesus actually uses a very similar metaphor to that Isaiah metaphor that we've spoken about. In Matthew 23, Jesus compares himself to a mother hen using her wings to shield chicks from danger. Again, we see this instinctive, protective love used to describe the makeup of Jesus and the responsibility he feels towards us and our safety. And then ultimately, we see this in action. We see Jesus dying in our place to rescue and bring us near to God. And I guess that's kind of part two. Part two of this compassion narrative. Jesus being compassion and becoming human. And if there's anything that we can take from part two of the compassion narrative 
For me, it's the extremes that God will go to because of the compassion he feels towards us. So if part one shows us that God cares about our situation and our pain, that not only does he care, but he cares in his innermost being with a mother-like responsibility, part two tells us that the care that he has is not just an emotive one, but a practical one. My question at the beginning, what is the difference between empathy and compassion begins to be answered here. See, compassion goes beyond empathy as it creates not just an emotional response, but a genuine desire and almost need to do something about it. If I had empathy but not compassion for the boy across the road crying with his bikes in front of him, I would feel sorry for him. It might even upset me a little bit that he's in pain, but without compassion, that becomes the extent of my response. Compassion turns the emotive response into a genuine desire to help. And God does not only have empathy towards your situation. God does not just look upon us and silently think, bless them, that's really tough. God wants to be involved in helping us and caring for us in the midst of difficulty. And to be honest, he largely has. Through Jesus, he's, he's already done something about it. He's brought compassion to all of us through Jesus in order that our suffering on earth will not win. Our suffering on earth will only be temporary and that one day there'll be no more suffering, tears and pain. But God also wants to extend his compassion to us today. The here and the now. In our situations, in our struggles, in our difficult seasons, in our every day. And he does that in many different ways. He does that through comfort, through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes through healing or intervention into our situation. But there's another great way that God uses compassion, that God has compassion on us today, that God wants to extend his compassion to us, to the world, in the everyday. And this is part three of the compassion narrative. God's plan for compassion today is through us, through you and through me, through his people, through his creation. We've been created in the image of God within our inner core, in the innermost being of who we are, we have compassion. The word that's used for 
compassion talks of it as being something of who we are, not just something of what we do. So in all of us, we have a sense of compassion. And we are called to extend the compassion shown by Jesus to our neighbourhoods, social circles, families and workplaces. Luke 6, 36 says, be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And we need to understand as people trying to follow God, that we are called to imitate the same compassion that God has shown for eternity. Allowing ourselves in our innermost core to be moved by the pain of others, for our responsibility to then go past empathy and into action. To see ourselves as having responsibility to support others, to embrace the hurting. And over the past two talks, Simon has encouraged us in some really practical ways how we can be compassionate to those around us and to ourselves. And it's been really helpful to listen to this wide range of ways we can show compassion in the everyday. And I don't want to repeat that this morning. But instead, I want to give some space to think about what does extending God's compassion look like in your life? So I'm just going to give three groups of people. And after each one, I'm going to leave 30 seconds to a minute for you to think about in the quiet, in the stillness of your heart between you and God. What does showing this compassion look like for you to these people? Asking yourself two questions. What am I doing? And what can I be doing? So firstly, how are we... I don't have it on there. How are we showing compassion to those in need, physical, mourning, mental, financial. How are we showing compassion and what can we be doing to those in need? What am I doing? What can I be doing? Secondly, what am I doing and what can I do? to show compassion to those that have hurt me. 
And finally, what am I doing and what can I be doing to show compassion to people that believe different things from me? The word compassion is something that gets kind of thrown around a lot, especially in churches and in Christian circles. And I think often we can just, as, as we reflect on compassion, we can just, without really thinking deeply about it, think, yeah, I, I'm being compassionate. And really we're talking about I have empathy towards people. And a great way to measure compassion is by asking yourself, being honest with yourself and asking, what have I done to support and help these different, these three groups of people this week? And as we reflect on that, what have my actions of compassion been over the last week or over the last month? That is when we can uh, springboard into that next question. What can I do to show compassion to those groups of people this week or this month? The narrative of compassion continues with us. We represent Jesus. We represent God who has this compassion, this mother-like compassion deep in his core. This narrative of compassion, part one, that God cares about your situation deeply, like a mother cares for her vulnerable child. Part two, God wants to help us in our difficulties and our pains. What does it look like to invite him in to that place? And part three, God invites us to extend this same compassion to those around us. In a moment, we're going to um, spend a little bit of time in worship, but before we do that, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who wants to receive some prayer this morning in response to this message. Actually, can the worship band come up? That would be that would be great. Um, 
I want to give some, an opportunity for anyone who wants to respond to this compassion narrative this morning. And, and as I was uh, thinking about what this bit would look like, I just felt that we should pray for these three groups in line with these three groups of the narrative. So firstly, we want to pray for anyone who is doubting whether God cares. Maybe you didn't even notice that you were doubting until we spoke about it this morning, that you heard the meaning of this metaphor that God cares like a mother cares for her vulnerable child, and you almost long to believe it, but you struggle to. Does God really care that much? Secondly, the second group of people that want to pray for, uh, anyone who needs or wants God to step in to your situation. Maybe you've got something going on and you just want God's compassion, God to step in into that situation. And then thirdly, the third group of people that want to pray for is anyone who wants to say to God this morning, maybe, maybe you've been, uh, as we did that reflection, what am I doing? What can I do? Maybe you realise there's quite a gap there. And maybe you want to say to God this morning, I am choosing this morning to extend the same compassion that you have shown to those around me. So three groups, anyone who might feel like, uh, who's doubting whether God cares about your situation, anyone who wants God to come and step into your situation, and anyone that wants to make a stand with God this morning and say, I want to be a person of compassion. So we're going to worship. Why don't we stand? We're going to worship. And if you want prayer for any of those three things then please come forward. You're not going to be asked what one of those three things you want prayer for unless you want to say. And we're going to get people around you to pray for you. And if you, if you don't want to come forward, then you can just ask someone next to you, will you pray for me? But as we worship, why don't you come forward if you're happy to do that? And we'll get people around you praying just that God will meet with you in this space. Nothing more than that. Just that the Holy Spirit will meet with you and do his work in this moment. So why don't you come forward as we worship? Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.